Well, good morning, everyone. I want to welcome you all to our services here at First Baptist North this Sunday of May 10th, 2020. And it means a lot to us that you're here, that you're tuning in and checking this out. And, and so we pray, it's our genuine prayer, that, that you would be met by the Lord uh, through just giving us your time and attention today, that, that He would speak to you through His Word, and that you would leave this encounter closer to Jesus. If you've got some Bibles in your home, uh, grab those right now. Grab a Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12. And one of the things that we really enjoy doing around here is uh, we love hearing from, from our people, uh, reading uh, the Word of God and reading that day's passage. And so last week we had that uh, awesome, uh, unique experience of, of seeing the Magenhard Dorm in Germany uh, read uh, last week's passage. And today, uh, a group that I'm calling FBN Broadlands, right, is a group who uh, who go to FBN and they, they all live on the same street. Uh, they're reading today's passage for you. So I'm going to turn it over to that group now. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not confirm to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We miss you! My bread! <laughs> well, thank you, Kira. Thank you, FB and Broadlands, for your uh, service to us in that. Keep your Bibles open there to Romans chapter 12. That's where we're going to be zooming in. I'm going to ask you to join me in a word of prayer. Father, we know there's a lot going on in the world that is. Uh, that makes us feel uh, like these times are uncertain. We know there's a lot happening that, um, that has just changed the way we do church. It's changed the way that uh, we do life. It's changed the way we do everything. But God, you remain the one constant. You remain the one certainty in our lives. And, and, and you still call us to things um, that, that you want us to do regardless of outer circumstances. There's certain things that we can uh, pursue, that we can uh, strive for, that we can ask you to do in our lives, whether times are uncertain or not. And so I pray that as we search those out through this chapter, uh, God, that you be the one who speaks, you be the one who convicts, you be the one who encourages today. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one of the simple pleasures in life that I've always enjoyed is just a fire. I just like sitting around the campfire. Uh, you don't I don't need additives. Some people like um, roasting marshmallows over the fire or cooking hot dogs. And it's not that I mind those things. I just don't need them to enjoy the fire. I love just being around a good fire. I love uh, the crackling of the wood. I love the glowing uh, of the coals. I love uh, the smell of fire. As long as it's not directly smoke right, right in my face. I love staring. I just love being around, I just love enjoying sitting and watching and listening to a good fire. Now, this doesn't mean I don't respect it, right? Anytime there's young children around, they make me incredibly nervous around a fire because I know how uh, damaging and destructive of an accident around a fire could be. And it doesn't mean I understand fire. Like, I don't at all. And I've gotten to the point in my life where I don't want to. Okay, but because um, a couple weekends ago, um, about actually about three weeks ago, we had a, a pretty big thunderstorm, pretty big windstorm come through Terre Haute, and it wiped out uh, multiple sections of our uh, fence that was around our backyard. Now, I'd like to blame it all on the storm, right? But 
honestly, that storm was basically it was like uh, kicking someone who was already on the ground. That that fence was it had seen better days, right? And so um, we replaced it, and in the process of replacing it, um, had some had some dear dear friends come over and help. In the process of replacing it, we stacked up uh, the panels from the old fence that at one point went all the way around my backyard, and just threw them on my fire pit, and somehow. That amount of fence that was long enough to go around my backyard just was reduced to a small pile of ashes that I could scoop up and throw out. How that happens, the science behind that, don't know, don't care to know, right? But what I do know is that fire is incredibly powerful, and yet it can be neutralized quite easily. It can be neutralized by distance. You can't go five minutes without hearing the term social distance right now, but it's the same distance, the same principle applies here. A short distance removed from the flames will kill a fire's effectiveness. Fire certainly has the power to transform things and change things. It changes everything that it touches, but if you pull back away from it, nothing happens. You can even take a log or stick that's on fire and pull it out of the flames and set it just a few feet away and then eventually the flame will burn out and it won't burn anymore. Now in Romans chapter 12, um, we are looking for uh, certain things in uncertain times, right? Certain things that, that we are called to be as God's people. And uh, I told you last week, Romans chapter 12 is a, is a therefore chapter. Right, the first word in Romans 12, 1 is therefore. So it means it looks back while, while looking ahead. And so uh, Romans 12 looks back on all the awesome theology that's been unpacked in Romans 1 through 11 about God's mercy and His grace and how He brought about salvation for us. And then Romans 12 moving forward is therefore now how we live in view of God's mercy. Well, did you know? Did you know that you cannot possibly live the life that we are called to in God's word. You cannot possibly live the life that you're called to in Romans chapter 12 in your own power. You can't do it. I mean, you, you can't even come close. You, this, what is described for us in the Bible is so beyond, so outside of our capabilities. It's like trying to burn wood away from the flames. Right? You, can, you can take a stick away from the fire and, and do what you want to try to get it to burn, but if it's away from the fire, there's no power that that stick has within itself to self-combust. Uh, right? it, it can't light itself on fire. Last week, we uh, looked at the passage that in Romans 12.1 that, that calls us to be living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to our Lord, and, and we laid before you this equation. If, if we take, if we fully believe who God is, that He is holy and perfect and awesome and terrifying and just in all His ways, right? He is the righteous creator, almighty God, and we add into that who we are, uh, weak, limited, sinful, rebellious, prideful, selfish people who've rejected His perfect command rebelled against his perfect rule. We take those two things and then we add to it the fact that he did not show us judgment and wrath and condemnation of this place, but sent Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners to show us his mercy and grace. You take those three things, who he is plus who we are, plus his mercy shown to us. The only right response to that is our worship. It's to live a life of worship, being a living sacrifice before him. 
1 verse 2 of Romans 12, we get a further description of how to be living sacrifices. And so I want to go ahead and read uh, verse 2 of chapter 12 again. Okay? Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says this, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Man, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot happening in that verse, right? And so I'm going to borrow a technique from Pastor Adam today. Um, we have, uh, he and I have distinct preaching styles. Uh, you may not notice them, but we do. Uh, the difference between them, but we do. And, and yet, uh, I think for this passage, I'm going to use his. Um, because what, the way Adam likes to teach is he likes to define the key words in a verse uh, to help you understand it. And so I'm, I'm going to ta- I'm going to break down Romans 12, verse 2, by phrases, and try to define the key words in it. And so the first thing that we're told um, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, is to not be, which says, do not be conformed to this age. Right? And so to me, the, the, the word that jumps out from that phrase is this idea of conformity. Don't be conformed. The Greek word there is pronounced suska matezo. Now you might think, uh, I didn't pronounce that well. What you don't realize is I edited it out like three times that I pronounced it wrong already. And if you think I didn't pronounce it well, I'm going to go ahead and invite you to try, right? But this word, this Greek word um, that, that we have translated into English as conform means, it literally means to fashion oneself to another's pattern. And it includes uh, fashion your mind, fashion your character. This, this word means uh, you emulate someone, you imitate them, you're trying to reflect them, you're copying them. Uh, and there's a word that's used in Christian circles, uh, and this word is uh, discipling. Okay, and this isn't often used outside of Christian circles, but when we talk about discipling, what we're really talking about is influencing. When you disciple someone, you're, you're training them, uh, you're teaching them, you're trying to help mold them and shape them into um, who they want to be or who you want them to be. And the reality is, if that's the definition, the reality is this, that everything in your life is discipling you. In fact, many are, are blatantly attempting to. When it comes to advertisements, they, they, anybody in the advertising game is trying to disciple you. When it comes to media, everything that is reported today has uh, the media's own bias and slant in it, regardless of which side of the aisle they're on. When it comes to social media, I mean, they design those platforms with algorithms in a way to addict you and think that you need social media in your life, whether it comes uh, to people, well, even when it comes to society, everything's trying to shape you, everything's trying to form you, and everything's trying to disciple you, which is one of my favorite office quotes, by the way. Michael Scott is going on one of his um, well-known rants, and, and Jim, Jim Halpert interrupts him and says, you know, you're always blaming society. But have you ever thought you might be at fault? And Michael's answer, which I love, he said, if it's my fault, then society made me this way, which I don't know how you argue with, right? But everything, everything in our life, everything in our world, everything in this age is attempting to shape us. It's attempting to uh, form us. It's trying to get us to conform to its image. But guess what? We don't belong to this world. We belong to a kingdom, which means we have a king. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says this, He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Every week 
If you, if you come to FBN or you watch our services online right now, every week at some point we, we ask you, we compel you, plead with you to give your life to Jesus. We ask you to call out to him and be saved. But I want you to know that's not like a one-time prayer. I accept him, I believe in him, get my account checked off, and then I go and live just as if I was already living. Now, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are brought into the kingdom of God. And this is the kingdom where Jesus reigns. And we as his servants, we as his children, we as his ambassadors, we make it our aim to please him. So we walk in obedience to him. And I want you to know, he does not view things the way our world views things. He does not have the mindset of this age. It's often the opposite. So we are not to conform to this age. We're not to conform to the patterns of this world. We should not, cannot live for and pursue and respond and chase and react just like the world would react. We, we cannot do that because we belong to a different kingdom. So what should we do? Romans 12 verse 2 answers that. So do not be conformed to this age, but number, secondly, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. All right, so we got the first word is conform. And, and by the way, as you, as you study that word and begin to think about the word, you think, well, that sounds like something that we should do, right? Aren't we supposed to emulate? Aren't we supposed to imitate right, the right things? Right? Shouldn't I conform to the image of Jesus? Well, did you know every time that word conform is used in the New Testament, in fact, that, that specific Greek word that we get in, in verse 2 here, every time it's used in the New Testament, it's used in the negative. And we should not conform. And here's why. It's not just that we're conforming to the wrong things. It's, it's what I believe is wrong is the impetus for change. Conforming has the wrong effective cause of change because conforming is something that I do. Right? Conforming uh, it means that all influences is outside of me, coming to me, and I'm trying to shape my, uh, myself around that. And so it's a, it's a matter of will that I'm purposely conforming to an image that I've chosen to pursue. Well, here's the deal with that, right? Even if, even if Jesus is my aim, then I'm working within my power and will to be like him. That's not what I've been called to do. Because that ability is not within me. I was working in the pro shop um, as a, I think, sophomore. It might have been a freshman in high school at Clover Meadows Golf Course. uh, The April weekend of 1997 when Tiger Woods won his first Masters. And he won going away. Uh, He won by a record amount of strokes. And it was... Uh, probably the most famous golf victory that's ever occurred. And it was, I was just starting my golf career and I was just captured. I couldn't believe what I was watching. And from there on, I, I did what I could to conform to the image of Tiger Woods in the course. It was in short order that I had a red Nike polo to wear on the golf course. It was in short order, short time later, that I was fist pumping whenever I'd make a putt. I would even do the thing that he did, like curl my hands around the hat to help me read putts, even though I don't think that ever helped me read a putt. And so I tried to emulate him in, in, in so many ways, right? I was conforming to the image of Tiger Woods, but guess what? 
I never made the PGA Tour. Like, I never made a dollar professionally. I never, ever achieved the dream of becoming a good golfer because that ability wasn't in the cards for me. It wasn't in me. No matter what I did to conform, I lacked the power to meet the image that I was matching. This, by the way, is why we're called not to conform, but to be transformed. Because transforming is so much greater than, than conforming. The Greek word for transforming means metaphoro, right? This, this, this is uh, where we get the word transformation is from that Greek word. It's also where we get the word metamorphosis. And it literally means to change into another form. I want you to think about uh, 2 Corinthians 5. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's the idea, right? And so this word uh, that, that we translate transforming in verse 2 is used in the Gospels when it's telling us the story of, of Jesus being uh, transfigured, being changed in the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, when those three disciples saw Jesus in all his glory and he was changed into another form. And that's what we're being called to here in Romans 12. The other time this word is used in the New Testament is 2 Corinthians 3. I want you to listen to this. 2 Corinthians 3.18, We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. Paul says there in 2 Corinthians 3 that, that we get to see the full glory of Jesus now. With the Holy Spirit inside us. And it's like we're looking into a mirror. It's that clear. And as we are looking at the Lord, He is transforming us into that same image. So I want you to get transforming is not me looking at Jesus and within my capabilities, within my power, within my willpower, willpower uh, copying what I see. No, transformation is a complete change. It's a metamorphosis of who I am from the inside out. And we're told here in Romans 12 that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. The next word I zoomed in on, renewing, uh, this, means, uh, this word means a complete renovation. It's only used two times in the New Testament. Titus 3 is the other time this word is used. And it says that he saved us, God saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. If you remember that from last week. And then listen, through the washing of regeneration, and here's the word, renewal, by who? By the Holy Spirit. Now the reason I share that is I want you to know every time the word renewing, or renewal is used in the New Testament, the impetus is all on God, right? He's the one, he's the acting force. He's the one who saved us. He's the one who is now regenerating us and renewing us by His Holy Spirit. And He's making the same argument here in Romans 12. We are transformed. We are metamorphosized, right? We are changed from the inside out by renewing of our minds. And this is all work that is done, not by us, but by the Holy Spirit. And so what must be transformed is our minds. And when the scriptures refer to our minds, it's referring to our faculties, our capabilities of perceiving and feeling and judging and making decisions, right? This, 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 this plays into our attitudes, it plays into our thoughts, it plays into our emotions and our feelings and our actions. There's this verse in Luke 24, that after the resurrection, Jesus is in a room with his disciples and Luke tells us that he, quote, and here's the quote, he opened their minds 
to understand the scriptures. He unpacked with them everything the Old Testament had to say about him. And man, every time I read that verse, I long to have been in that room, to have my mind opened by Jesus. And yet, I need to realize Romans 12 tells me here that he wants to do the same thing for me. He wants to open my mind. He wants to transform my mind. He wants to renew our mind so that I can know and discern what the good and pleasing and perfect will of God is. Last week, we we laid before you that challenge of asking yourself in every situation, what is it that I can do that would please God here? Well, with renewed minds, we will always know the answer to that question. We'll know what God's will is, and we'll discover that His will is good, always. That it is perfect, that it is pleasing, that it leads us to goodness. Now, I'm going to pause here and just ask the question. Where does this leave us? Because there's always a tricky tension of this. Think about what, what we're talking about. That what is being demanded of you isn't within you. What is being demanded of you is to be a living sacrifice, to be holy and pleasing, to not conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you don't have the ability to do any of that. That it's God who has to do this in your life. It's God who has the power to transform. It's God who who gives you the Holy Spirit and can change these things. And so that leads us to this question. Eventually, we always get this question. Does this mean it's all in Him? And, And how far does that go, right? So if I still have sin in my life, Is that like his fault? Because that would be a great pass for me. That would be super comforting. Do I just say, all right, Lord, let's do it. Transform me. And if I'm not transformed, it's kind of on you. Listen, that's not how this goes. And I'm not sure I'm going to be able to explain it for you fully because there's a level of mystery to this tension. And by the way, God's not afraid of mystery at all. In fact, I think he really enjoys it, um, in part because it causes us to lean into him even more. And secondly, it's really hard to get dogmatic and legalistic when there's mystery at play. But here, here is how I would put it for you this morning. And, and this, this has been helpful to me to think of it in this way. Transformation, right? my transformation, it is for God to do and me to pursue. The work of transformation is for God to do and for us to pursue. And so there's three things that I want to lay before you uh, to suggest uh, that you do to get about this work of pursuing God's transformation in your life. And number one is simply this, that you must surrender your life to Jesus Christ. You know, there's, there's simply no transformation apart from the saving faith one could have in Jesus Christ. Right? And, and if transformation is the work of God's Holy Spirit living within you, um, the Holy Spirit is not in you if you're apart from Jesus. And so let me, let me unpack this for you uh, quickly this morning. You, anyone of you that are listening to this, I want you to know that you're a sinner. And I don't say that to separate you from me. I say that because join me in this. Well, I'm a sinner like you. Right? And the problem with our sin is that uh, God is holy and perfect and just in all his ways. And, and he is so holy, he's so set apart that he cannot tolerate human sin. It is an affront to his character and it's a rebellion against who he is. 
And so that sin has separated us from the God who made us. And this is actually a big deal because if we remain separated from God for the rest of our lives, and then our earthly lives end, we head into an eternity separated from God. And heaven is where God is. You can't be separated from heaven, from God in heaven. And so if you go to your grave, having never had your sin problem taken care of, never having your sin debt paid, you will head to an eternity where you experience the full, right, fair, just wrath of God as you suffer in hell for all eternity. That's what we deserve. But Romans 5 says that God shows his love. He demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us because God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to take on human form, to live the perfect life that you and I have not lived. And Jesus went to the cross and there on the cross, he did not die for anything that he did. He had done wrong. He died to pay the price for any who would believe in him so that their sin may be erased and paid for by his death on the cross. And then he rose from the dead three days later, promising that victory of eternal life for any who trust in him and call on him and surrender to him. And now if you would simply believe in Jesus Christ, you surrender your life and your control of him, you repent of your sin and turn from your ways and say, Jesus, please forgive me. Take over my life. I want to live my life for you then by his blood shed on the cross, you are forgiven. By his resurrection, you are granted eternal life in heaven. And by the grace and mercy of God, you are given his Holy Spirit. It takes up residence inside you. And having his presence in you opens you up to what the Bible would call transforming power. Now, without the Holy Spirit, our only hope is conforming. Without Jesus, our only reality is hell. Without his salvation, our only aim, the only end point is, is eternal death and suffering. And without the Holy Spirit in us, our only hope is conforming. It's trying to see an outer model and doing what we can to match up to it. It's emulating and copying what we think God would like. These are the people who are trying to live a good life to get to heaven. But what they don't realize is that's not what God's looking for. We can't emulate him and copy him enough to be perfect. We need to be made completely new and completely transformed. And this is only found in the grace and salvation that Jesus Christ offers. It's only found in Jesus and Jesus alone. And so you need to stop conforming, even if you're trying to conform to the right thing and be transformed. You need to stop trusting in your ability and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone to save you. Secondly, if, that's, if you are there, then, then you have a valuable resource that we are being told in this verse to, to, to pursue transforming so we can be renewed. And so what I want you to do is I want you to invest in your mind. Here's what we're told in Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence and if there's anything praiseworthy, Dwell on these things. Now, I've never been one of those people that respond well when someone tells me I usually need to think positive thoughts. Uh, you, you, you think it and claim it, it's yours, right? It's, that just feels cheesy to me. 
Uh, and so I dismissed them outright and probably too aggressively. And yet I need to recognize that this verse is in God's word. He's not telling you just to think positive thoughts and everything's going to be fixed, but he's telling you to dwell and think on good things. That's undeniable. I've shared this quote with you every week of this study so far, that A.W. Tozer says that what you think about God is the most important thing about you because what you think and what you believe shapes most of what you do. And now we're being told in verse 2 that we need to, to have our mind renewed because as it turns out, a great indication of who you are is what you think about most. Psychologists back this up across the board, uh, that you are what you think. Right? You become what you think about the most. Angry people, people you know that are angry, they are people who think more angry thoughts than other people. Happy, positive, optimistic people think optimistic thoughts. Negative people, depressed people think negative and depressed thoughts. On and on and on it goes. Whatever characteristic you want, if somebody is like that, it's because they are thinking that way. But here's the beauty of it. You can actually influence your mind because you have the keys to the front door. What you consume, what you dwell on, what you meditate on, what you listen to, what you watch, what you read, all of this is coming into your mind. All of this is working to conform your mind, right? But if you use your mental energy, if you use uh, your, uh, your, your mental intellect to pursue the source and power of transformation, then you can help in this process of your mind being renewed by the Holy Spirit. If you think about God, if, you, if your thoughts are on Him throughout your day, if you get in His Word, if you pursue Him and draw close to Him, man, you, you are helping in this process of renewal. Let me ask you, if, if part of the process, if part of the transformation process is the renewing of our minds, are we helping that? Are we hurting that by what we are exposing our minds to? Mind is a valuable thing. We need to guard it. We need to protect it. We need to invest the right things into it. And then thirdly, and this is most important, we need to pursue the one who transforms. We need to pursue the one who transforms. I told you about transformation. It's God's to do, and it's ours to pursue, right? To pursue transformation is simple. It's to pursue Jesus. I read a story about a pastor who was visiting uh, somebody who uh, used to go to his church and, and was really spotty with attendance uh, lately. And uh, it, was, it was an older setting. It was, it was, it was a few decades back. Um, and uh, he was visiting this guy, and the guy just kind of went on this long speech about how he has a relationship with Jesus, and he doesn't need the church, and uh, he's kind of offended that the pastor would even be concerned about this. And so the pastor didn't even say a word, but they were sitting by a fireplace. So while the guy's talking, the pastor, without uh, explanation, gets up, and he takes a log that was on fire, and he, and he pulls it out, and he sets it, on sort of some bricks near the fire, but away from the flame. And he sits down and lets the guy keep talking. And as the guy's talking about how he doesn't need church, that he can keep his relationship with Jesus uh, vibrant without it, this log that was once within the flames is now outside of it. And uh, the, the coals on it glow, start glowing less and less bright and dim. And eventually there's no evidence that there's a fire on the log at all. And the pastor got up, he didn't even say a word, and 
greeted, they dismissed the guy, said goodbye to the guy, and, and left. And the next Sunday, that guy was back in church because he got it. He got the analogy. Right? And that was just about church attendance, but, but we, I want to take it farther. Consider these verses. John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. This is Jesus talking. He says this. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. That's an easy analogy we can all follow. Neither can you unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Jesus there is telling us to remain in him, to draw close to him, to abide in him. He makes an analogy that he is the central vine and that we're a branch off of that. So if you take a branch off the vine, there's, there's nothing that it can accomplish worth anything. It can't produce fruit at all. So we cannot produce good fruit. We cannot bring good out of our lives apart from being connected to the vine, apart from abiding in Jesus. In fact, apart from him, he goes on to say in verse 5, we can do nothing. I mean, this is where I love I love the creativity of God and how He has made each one of us different and unique. And this is where I've been a part of this in the past, where I think the church can be harmful. Because we all have this tendency to take uh, powerful, meaningful, spiritual experiences that we've had with the Lord and make them prescriptive for others. That since, since this is how, I, how the Lord met me in this moment, in this way, that is how he must meet everyone else. And that's just not reality. Now, there are some central tenets, right, of your pursuit of God. There are central um, groundbreaking foundations um, that, that will need to be in place in our pursuit of God. Whether these include his word. Uh, they include prayer. Uh, they include uh, discipline, spiritual disciplines. They include being a part of the church and service. But within those uh, tenets, right, within those foundational aspects, there is some great flexibility. And so when it comes to God's Word, I would tell you, you need to be in this thing. Uh, you need to, to, to meditate on it. You need to let it uh, sort of soak into your life. Uh, some people, right, they, they, uh, they remember God's Word better. They respond to it better. They reply it better when they read the entire Bible in a year. There are others who get the most out of it when they read a chapter a day. There are others who like to just pick a verse or a book and go through that book slowly, taking notes, looking at things, just doing a deep study in that book. There's others who, who like taking a verse and memorizing it and looking for ways throughout the day to, to apply that verse and do those things. And there are others who like to read devotionals with it. And, and still, I would say the most effective way is to, to mix all those together at different times, right? But what I would tell you is this, find what works for you and what, 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 what gets you the most amount of Jesus in your life. Try them all and find out what gets you the most amount, not, not what's easiest for you or most convenient for you, what gets you the most amount of Jesus in your life and, and invites his influence more and more and then do that. And then be hesitant to criticize others. Because their approach might be better for them than yours. And when it comes to prayer, some people like having a literal prayer closet, a, a, a space that they go and they, uh, they can pray upwards of 
30, 45, 60 minutes, two hours, right? And, and they, that is their thing. Other people like having lists that they update and follow and they keep track of answers to prayers. Others like uh, feel most connected to God through sort of spontaneous prayer. We're not following a list. They're just praying out loud to him. Uh, others uh, like kneeling and falling down before him. Others think, uh, have trouble focusing and so they do journaling. Others like moving around physically when they pray. Uh, all these things are possible. And I would tell you, try them all, but then find what works for you and pursue it and be hesitant to criticize what works for others. When it comes to di- spiritual disciplines, um, there are people who grow a lot and connect with the Lord through fasting. There are others who do it through meditation, like taking certain passages in the Bible and just meditating on them deeply. There are others who, who grow a lot and connect with the Lord by memorizing verses. Here's what I would tell you. Try them all. Do them all in secret. Right? Your spiritual disciplines are between you and the Lord, not you and social media and everyone else. Find what works for you and be hesitant to criticize others. Man, when it comes to church... Right, church is about, that's the time that we don't get to bring in our personal preferences. It's about gathering together and sharing life with other people. And people still allow their personal preferences to get in the way of this. Right, I like hymns. And so anybody who, who doesn't, uh, that I don't, they don't need my time. I don't need to spend any time around them. Those, those churches don't matter. Well, I like praise music. Anybody who's doing hymns is old-fashioned. Another, like that's, that stuff is ridiculous. Okay, We need people. All of us need people. We need the body of Christ. Introverts might need less people than extroverts, but they still need people. Don't let your personal preferences get in the way of this. And then service, right? You have been uniquely designed to serve the Lord in ways that match your giftedness, that are life-giving, that bring fruit, and that bless other people. And so if your service to God should almost always have a cost. Right? So don't base this on whether or not it costs you something. But if your service to the Lord right now is draining and it's very self-focused, it's about what you can get out of it, and it's really not blessing other people, you need to find another way to serve. And again, don't criticize people who serve that way. They, they might get them closer to the Lord. I mean, we're all unique. Some of us, like music all day helps. Just play it all the time. Others need quiet and stillness. Some of us like kneeling, some of us like moving. The idea is this. Find what works for you. Like make it your aim, make it a priority, find what works for you because the greatest power in the universe wants to work in your life in ways you never thought possible. And his desire is not to change you a little bit. His desire is to transform you completely and renew your mind. His intentions are to change you from the inside. And the cold, hard reality is this, that you remain the biggest hindrance in your life in this. You get in the way of this more than anyone else. Like taking a log out of a fire and watching the flames burn out. When we pull away, from our God, when we ignore His disciplines, when we leave our word closed, when we claim that we are too busy to pray, when we fill our lives with stimuli and distractions and internet and social media and phones and more, just more and more noise, we step farther and farther away from the flame 
we, we, we move ourselves farther and farther away from the vine, then Jesus tells us, apart from me, you can do nothing. When we do that, we are pulling away from the only source of transformation that is out there, and we're missing out on more than we know. Man, I hope, I hope you feel like I do this morning, and that there, there's a tinge of desperation in my voice when I say this. I need this. I, I need transformed because I, I'm so sick and tired of my sin. I'm so sick and tired of the results that, that come from my own capabilities and power. I long to be changed from the inside. I long to have a renewed mind. I long to have a heightened focus on the will of God. I long to be marked more and more and more by the fruits of the Holy Spirit. I want to feel more deeply connected to God and reflect His image more and more. And so I want to ask you, man, what would it look like if we made the commitment to stop getting in His way? What would it look like if, if we made the commitment that we were going to pursue Him, that we're going to pursue practices and habits and the things that most readily connect us to God? We're going to find what they are and we're going to give ourselves to them. What would it look like if we openly invite His work into our minds and into our hearts and into our lives? Church, what would it look like if we would pursue those central tenets of of knowing God, that we pursue His Word, we pursue prayer, we pursue disciplines, we pursue church, we pursue service in ways that He has uniquely designed us to experience and flourish in. What could God do in you? What could He do through you? What could He do for you? What could God do for your evangelistic witness? Man, think about it. Ask Him to transform you so that you can get the privilege of being used by God to bring people to Him. Think about people spending all eternity in heaven because you were used by God when He saved their souls. Is there a greater privilege in the world than that? Is anything more exciting than that? If we'd simply just get out of His way, if we simply stop hindering His work in our lives, if we'd pursue Him, what might He do in our hearts? What might He do in our marriages? What might He do in our homes? What might He do in our relationships? What might He do for your anxiety? What might He do for your stress and your attitude? What might He do when it comes to your effectiveness for Him? Apart from Him, you can do nothing but remain and abiding in Him. How much fruit could you bear? Listen, our God is a consuming fire. The question I'm asking this morning is this, is how far away have you distanced yourself from the flame? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your plans and your intentions, your design for us is for our good, Lord. God, you want to save us. You want to redeem us. You want to transform us into your image. Lord, there's nothing in that that's bad for us, and yet we are the one who gets in the way. We either won't come to you in faith, or we, or we do, and then remain distant, settling for the distractions of this age. Settling for what we can accomplish by conforming even to good things, rather than opening ourselves up to transformation. 
So Lord, I pray for any who has not given their life to Jesus Christ, that today would be the day that they would seek after him. Today would be the day that they would that they would say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me and that rose from the dead, and so I ask you to come into my life, take over and forgive me. Now would you save, um, save their souls in this moment as they pray to you? And then God, for the rest of us, I pray that we would make it our aim, Lord, to pursue transformation. We make it our aim to stop settling for conforming and, and, uh, and experiencing your transforming power. God, help us to pursue you in the ways that you've uniquely given us to so that we can abide in the vine. We can be within the realm of the flames so that you can change us from the inside. We ask this all in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.